We're in the third epistle of John, um, and I, I like I like uh, I like the whole books of the Bible you can handle in one day. That's always fun. So this is one of those. So let's pray and let's jump right in, okay? Father, we would that you know just because the the letter's short doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to say to us. As a matter of fact, I think it's an amazing amount of things to say. So so guide my lips, guide my thoughts, guide our hearts. Lord, we want to be changed, having listened to your word. We want to receive what you have for us here this morning. So I pray that would happen, Lord, and you'd be glorified in the process. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The elder, John, he's the elder. He's the last of the apostles. I think this was written after there were no apostles left except John. Same with Second John. Um, you know, there's a big debate, not really, uh, about when a revelation was written. Is it 95, 96, 97? It's always within a couple of years. So it's not like a, a big a big debate. Not really, it's not. Uh, when was the Gospel of John written? Not exactly sure. When were 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John written? Not exactly sure. But we have an idea it was toward the end of his life. We think that John was the last of the uh, Gospels that was written. Again, I can't offer any concrete evidence. Um, but here, I have an idea, and most people would agree with this, that John's an old man. He's the elder. And not just, you know, figuratively, like an elder is somebody who, like, you know, runs a, the presbytery of the church is made up of elders, okay? A board of elders, and bi most biblical-based churches have that, you know, elder board. Uh, and... We're not all elders. Well, I am. <laughs> I can speak for everybody else. But I was an elder when I think I was 31 or 2 years old when I first became an elder in a church uh, in, in Corinna, Maine. So you don't have to be old to be an elder. you know. Uh, so when I, he's saying the elder, I think he's using that as a title, like an elder. You know, what does an elder do? Well, they, they, they manage the word in prayer and they generally rule over, you know, they have authority and stuff like that. But again, it, uh, but I think he's using it in that term, and I think he's using the term like he's an old man. So and he, at this point, he's the, there's not, none others, right? There's no, uh, any more disciples left. So if he says the elder, the old guy, everyone knows what he's talking about. And he's writing this under the well-beloved Gaius. Now, people go through his, uh, you know, if you listen to this, somebody teaches, they'll go through all this, you know, you go to Acts and different letters, different epistles and mentions of Gaius, and is it this Gaius, is this Ga Gaius of Derby, or is it this Gaius of, you know, uh, uh, Macedonia, and they go through all, and wouldn't it be good if it turned out to be this Gaius, and I don't know if, I can go into all that too, but I don't know if it would either edify us or help. Um, it's written to a guy named Gaius. Uh, is Gaius, you know, a euphemism for the like uh, the elect lady and her children? Could that be a euphemism for church and the people who go to church? It could be. I have an idea it's written to an elect lady, but who knows that? Is Gaius uh, a euphemism for anything? No, I don't think anyone teaches that. I think it's a guy named Gaius. He's writing to him. And the thing he says about him is he loves him in the truth. Oh my goodness, these two great themes of John, love, you know, new commandment I give unto you, John, love guy, right? He's the apostle of love. 
and he's truth guy, and I'll quiz you on what's truth. We talked about that last week. We looked at some verses, right? Is the Bible truth? Yes. Is it true truth? Yes. Is it subjective truth? No, it's not. Is it objective truth? Yes, it is. Is Jesus Christ the truth? Yes. Uh, sometimes the Bible talks about truth and you wonder if it's talking about Jesus and you wonder if it's talking about the Word. And I think it's ambiguous sometimes on purpose. Jesus is the Word. The Bible is the Word. Is that some happy coincidence? No. Um, Jesus is what God has to say to us. You know, in the beginning was the Word. Uh, the Bible is what God has to say to us. Is there overlap there? They're, they're inseparable. And I think on purpose, God has designed it that way. Now, he loves this guy, and he calls him in verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, let's talk about the health and wealth gospel, because it comes from this verse. And it does. God wants you to be healthy, and he wants you to be wealthy, and this verse says so, and there. I think God likes to bless. That's always the way I put it. Okay? But let's let's talk about health and wealth gospel and where it fails because we have to. Because people believe this. And all the people who have associated over the years with the health and wealth gospel, I'm people who I, I generally gravitate towards. The Kenneth Copelands, the Kenneth Hagans, the Creflo Dollars, the Joel Steens, the Robert Tiltons, the, and I'm going way back because I'm older than most all of you, and, and I know some that you, you said Creflo Dollar, who's, well, he's still on actually, but you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Hagen, who's that? Well, he died back in 2000. He's one of these guys who's kind of, I think, one of the founders of the movement. You know, God wants you to be healthy, God wants you to be wealthy, and if you're not that, you're just not in the will of God. Uh, and it leads to, I think, uh, cruelty. I can bring in testimony of that, like actual ones who have been, have people show them this cruelty. Um, so somebody's daughter dies and the health and wealth guy, well, if you had enough faith, that wouldn't happen. We won't take a vote on the cruelty of that statement. I think all of us will agree that is Horrific, but the health and wealth kind of loans itself to that. You aren't swimming in capital if you and if you don't just have money upon money upon money. It's your faith. If you have any sickness, the sniffles, or God forbid, you should get COVID. That's that's your lack of faith. Don't you understand? That's it's heresy of the first order. And this verse doesn't even say that. Beloved, I wish above all things. And wish is the idea of wish like we would wish. Like, or you could say, I pray you. You know, when we, we use the words wish and prayer. And, and, and I don't mean the church. I don't mean this in a negative way. We use that like, you know, praying for somebody, wishing good things. About us. We use that almost like interchangeably. He's using that here. You know what I'd like to see for you? You know what I'd like to pray for you? That you're that you may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, prosper there talks about financial health, talks about this, you get the health and the wealth, right? But am I saying, if I said to you, you know, I wish you were 
one, if I said to you, I wish you were as healthy and wealthy as you are holy, why be, would that be a good thing? You'd say, no, no, I don't want that. <laughs> it depends on how holy you are. Now, this guy's a holy guy. Obviously, he's saying, you know what? I wish you'd, your health and your wealth would come up to your level of holiness. Isn't he saying you're not very healthy and you're not very wealthy? And he's not giving him any criticism about his lack of faith. Isn't that what it's saying? Uh, follow me. Uh, Jeff Bezos, is he the wealthiest guy in the world? I don't know. If he's not, he's like in the top one or two. I mean, he's, he's right up there, right? Uh, you know, I, I, Jeff's a neighbor of mine. I like Jeff real well. I wish he was wealthy. You're thinking, of him, what, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, if anyone's wealthy, it's him. If I was wishing somebody wealth, wouldn't I be saying they don't have it? Because it would be kind of a silly thing to say, boy, I wish, I wish Jeff Bezos or, or you know, uh, you know, uh, Windows guy or uh, iTunes guy or, and there's all the, you know, YouTube Z uh, Zuckerberg, there's all these different ones and we know their names because they're incredibly wealthy. And we don't generally wish wealth on them. That's kind of, or pray wealth for them. That would be kind of a lesson in futility. Same with health. If the guy is in the peak of health, I mean, I pray for your health all the time, all you guys, and I, I suspect you would, you, would, you would suppose that would be true. And so what happens? You're all healthy all the time, 100%. Right? It doesn't work that way. You know, I, I always talk about the different times where, you know, Paul, who God used to heal many people. He said, Paul, uh, he says, um, Trophimus, I think it's Trophimus, have I left at Miletus sick? Paul, you're Paul, you're the apostle, go heal him. He's the one who wrote, you know, about faith and, and what should, what's the deal if, if it's just, can turn it off and on like a switch. Hey, even the guys who espouse health and faith, you know, the health and wealth, they still die, and they still get older. And some are looking kind of shabby at this point. Like, how come your health doesn't get better and better and better? How come you don't get younger? Guys believe in health and wealth who wear glasses and are balding. Pray your hair back. And I said, so I... Some of you guys were here. We were talking about this health and wealth thing because it comes up in Scripture. I don't go out of my way to punch anybody in the eye. I'm not like that. I'm just going to the next verse, next verse. And my whole thing, I've said, and you've all heard me say, if this is stepping on your toes, you need to move your toes. I'm not going to change truth to make you feel comfortable or to make me feel comfortable. I teach things that make me uncomfortable. Welcome to my life. So, But what am I going to do, skip? So uh, my whole thing is like, if this is bothering you, well, you and the author of this book work it out, because you know. So I was preaching. I said, "Listen, you're a great man of faith. Why don't you go to Children's Hospital in Boston and pray that whole this this whole pediatric swing in Bangor? You don't have to drive that far, and I'm sure it's probably the same in Augusta. And just drive down there and pray the whole wing. Everyone help. And so you, some of you guys." I call it the foyer debate because you remember the kitchen debate with Nixon and Khrushchev? Like, so the foyer debate, someone approached me on this and he was all upset and he got all up in my face and he was... I hate discussions when we're not trying to find a common... And nobody's listening. You just... 
Will you hurry up and shut up so I can make my point? And if not, I'll just talk over you anyway. And it wasn't really edifying or fun. It's like, what does these verses mean to you? Well, and I, and I told him, I said, why don't you just go down to the hospital and pray the whole wing empty? Oh, it's complicated. No, 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 no. It's not. You say it's complicated. The Bible will say it's complicated. Uh, Jesus, sickness, pray, better. There's no complicated. Don't give me that. And, you know, as well, I'm trying to work out, you know, this with, you know, I'm trying to figure it. There's really no figuring. And then, of course, I, I'm assaulted by my lack of, because I have lack of faith. By the way, that doesn't work on me. Name-calling has never worked on me. There's a whole party in America who's calling us names to try to get them to join our, their team. Has that worked on anybody? Come up with a different plan, because name-calling doesn't work. So the name-calling is, oh, you don't have any faith. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I'm supposed to be all upset and cry or something. So we had this, and it was kind of, I try not to be heated. I try to be like just, you know, a man of God and try to like, okay, we're having a disagreement here and stuff, and that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not all that. You will agree with me, and this is it, and this is there's times for that when, you know, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Word of God, divinity, God made flesh and dwelling among us. And you can argue all you want. You're a heretic. And this is what salvation looks like. And, I, and I'll show you, you know, Scripture, this is what, how we become saved. And you say, well, no, I get saved by good works. You're a heretic. There's some things that are non-negotiable. There are some things in Scripture, you don't have to agree with me. You can believe in the health and wealth gospel. By the way, I think you're wrong. But it doesn't make you, now I'm not saved because I believe God honors faith. Because I think that's, a, that's where it starts is in a really good place where we th- say like, you know, I, I say this, I say God wants to bless us. Give us, I think he tells me, give me a life I can bless. I can't bless your rebellion. I can't bless your sin. I treat Sue's like a, like a, like a, like a slave and just yell at her and berate her. And, and I say, God, bless my marriage and say, boy, I really want to. You got to change your attitude towards your wife. Well, I'm giving you a hypothetical. I don't, I think Susan will tell you, I give an honest effort to treat her pretty good. Some of you guys might notice that, you know, you know me five minutes, you know, I'm married to a woman named Suze who I just absolutely adore. And God says, I can bless that. I can work with it. And the parts where it's not quite right, well, I can, I can show you where you're messing up. If you're open, if you're, you know, so much of Christianity is just like, I can't figure all this out. I'm not that smart. God's not saying, follow me because you're so wise. You're so astute. You're so clever. You'll figure this out. And then, of course, us people who aren't very clever, we're doomed to a second-rate Christianity. I don't think it's that. I think it's a more of an openness Lord, show me. And we're prayerful and we're in communion, communion with God. You know, this, oh, that just went sideways. Okay, where did I mess up? Where did they mess up? What happened? Let's autopsy this. Lord, I don't want to do that again. Let's, you know, help me to, and will he? I, I tell you, when you're quiet before God and you're asking, he gives us answers and he's willing to communicate to us much more than I think any of us realize. I think God has a lot to say. Well, he has a lot to say here, so let's keep, let's keep going. I wish above all that you may prosper and be in health, because you're not prospering and you're not in health, but I wish that on you. I, I wish you were as happy and, 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 uh, happy and healthy as you are holy. I think that's what, I think, I think that's what he's saying. I, I wish you were as wealthy 
and I wish you were as healthy as you are holy, because, man, that would be a good thing. I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. Why? I haven't been able to get my arms around this. I mean, I think it through, but I, 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 I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Listen, can I tell you something from my heart? I have no greater truth than no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And adversely, if my children are walking in the truth, there's no greater pain, there's no greater anguish of soul. But you understand this as a parent. You know, you're going to stand as a pastor, you're going to stand as an elder, you're going to stand as a Sunday school teacher, you're going to stand as a parent, you're going to stand as a human being. Why should I care? Okay, children, okay. But like, I'm talking about spiritual children. So they're walking in truth and it's like, yes, amen, praise your holy name, God. And they walk away from the faith and you're like, ah, uh, God. And it's great anguish. Why? I don't care. Look at his, some truth, take it or don't. What do I care? But that's not even true. You do care greatly. Why? This Holy Spirit, the, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. I didn't know that going in, getting saved. Lord, fill me with your spirit and therefore fill me with love. And I want to care about people I don't care about. And I want to anguish over people who I shouldn't even give a second thought to. It doesn't work that way. We're infected with this love and we care desperately. And there's no... Listen, I, at the end of the day, I don't care about my kids like as far as like wealth or even health. Like I care about their holiness. I mean, do you want your children to succeed? Well, of course you do. Do you want them to be healthy? No, I want them to be in the doctor six out of seven days every week. Of course we want them to be healthy. But the thing that we really care about the most is their holiness. Listen, if, if, they're not, if they die penniless and of some wasting disease, I mean, we say, hey, I can, I'll see you on the other side. Isn't that great consolation? And there's nothing worse than a child who is in rebellion. And I, I understand some of you are facing that, and I'm feeling you. I understand it too. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in the truth. Uh, so from time to time, people will ask me, well, how do I get my children to walk in the truth? I'd like to tell you the answer, but I can't. I can't tell you. You say, why won't, can't you tell? You won't like it. I can't tell you. You won't like it. Besides, it's a secret anyway. Now you all think, oh, you know, you've got to tell me. You really want to hear it? I'll tell you. Okay, this is it. You have to model truth for them consistently. I know you, well, okay, one guy likes it. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, I'm feeling you. Okay, we like it, but not everyone else, nobody else likes that answer. Listen, um, I, I can just give you an example. My parents smoke cigarettes. And... Um, Mom quit because she didn't want to model that for her kid. Dad was always with the cigarette in his hand. Don't you do as I do, do, do as I say. And he'd tell us not to smoke. And if we got caught smoking, we'd be in big trouble. Well, I was the jock. I never smoked. And I hung out with people who didn't smoke. And it was really an anathema. I just didn't really attract me. But I got half my 
brother and sister smoked. Well, mom gave it up. And dad, when he had a major heart attack and almost died, then he gave it up too. But a lot, by that time, you know, most of us were adults and we'd kind of... So about half of us smoke of his eight kids, of their eight kids. And even after my sister died of cancer, I still have siblings who smoke. Now, you have to model consistency. You have to model Christianity for your children. They, they won't know it anywhere else. You have to enforce rules. You have to show them the love of God. You have to talk to them about the graciousness of the Lord. By the way, if you're a gracious dad, you're a gracious mom, you, they, half the battle's won. Now, having said that, you, you're thinking there's a tremendous amount of guilt because you just told me I didn't model it well enough and now I have a, a son or a daughter who's in rebellion. So do I. And I'm not trying to keep guilt. I'm saying this is how God has wanted it. He He's told us this is how it works. But even then, it's not a guarantee that all your children will be holy all the time. I, I, I say this all the time. Adam and Eve, would they, would they, they had Cain and Abel. Would they model consistency to one and not to the other? I have Cain and Abel in my own house. Okay? I, I get it. Uh, you know, people used to tell us, oh, you, you, you guys are super parents. Your kids are so godly and so good and all this stuff. And I would just kind of like, you know, thumbs under the suspenders, like, well, you know, when you've been, you know, godly like me for so long. and you, uh, I didn't say anything like that, but I'd bask in that. But then when one of my sons rebelled, and he's off the reservation, way off, still. It's not a phase he's going through. It's like 21 years now. 22 years. What am I going to say? Oh, yeah, I'm a wonderful parent. Look, Mike's a good guy. He loves the Lord. I don't want to take responsibility for one, not the other. I want to take praise for Mike, and the other one's not my responsibility at all. I want to model today consistent Christianity to not only my children my, and, and their spouses and their children or or to, to the... Everyone at large, I want to, I want to, I, I still want to model consistent Christianity. That's the best I can do, and speak with people and pray for people. But, but I think without that, it goes, it goes back to do as I, as I say, don't do as I do, and that is broken. You give me a dad who like smokes cigarettes and you know drinks and carouses and stuff like that, and unless the child is very, very godly and says, I love dad, I respect and honor dad, I'm not going to be like dad. Because, you know, you, that, you, you've that modeled something, and children want to emulate, male children especially want to emulate their dad. And that emulation is going to lead to a really bad place if they're not, like I say, a consistent Christian witness. I have no greater joy than the hand that my children walk in the truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren, to strangers. Now, the rest of the book is going to be taken up with this idea hospitality. Uh, you do faithful, you do well when you entertain, is what they're saying here. Which, why have you done that? Because they have borne witness of the charity before the church, the love of the church uh, before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. So we get this guy coming to town, he's, you know, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you've, you've let him stay at your house, and you've and you bring forward on their journey after a godly sort. That means you're helping them out. You're doing well. It's a good thing. 
uh, because that for his name's sake they have they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. Think about the ministry of Paul. He goes to this town, somebody takes him in, he preaches the gospel, and he doesn't take anything uh, for his efforts, and especially nothing, and it's using the word Gentiles here as unbelievers, because his ministry was always among the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Now, that's less of a problem in our day, you know, Tom Baudet, Motel 6, they'll leave the lights on for us. It's, it's not the issue it once was, right? They didn't have hotels and motels and things like that. But we can do this financially. We can do it prayerfully. We don't always have to open our own homes, but that would be a good thing if we did. We've always, Susan and I have always tried to open our homes, especially visiting missionaries and stuff like that, have them over for lunch and things like that. And I, I think that's always been a good thing, but... Whether you do that or not, I get, there's other ways to do it now. We therefore ought to receive such. Leave it at that. That we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Is there a reward for that? Of course there is. I wrote into the church, but uh, Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. <laughs> Imagine that on your resume. Yeah, John the Apostle, the one first at the tomb of Jesus, the one who leaned on his breast at the, the Last Supper. That John... Nah, he's nothing to me. I don't do what he says. I don't know who he thinks he is. <laughs> Imagine that. This is this Diotrephes. Why is he like that? He loveth to have the preeminence. That is a cancer anywhere in the church at any time. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. There's only one preeminent person here. You know, in my house, there's no, no one has the preeminence, you know. Um, so uh, I, I'm saying, I'm the king of my castle, and you'll do what I say. And she'll say, King Schmeng, I'll do what I think is right. And so she's rebellious. I'm chauvinist, and we're supposed to have one mind. So she has to agree with my chauvinism, or I have to agree with her rebellion for us to walk together in truth. Or, there's another opportunity here, we can have the mind of Christ. Who's the boss of the house? Uh, Jesus is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm at the head of the house, not in a sense, not Jesus. So I, I, I'm going after Jesus. She's going after Jesus. We have the same mind that's in us. And nobody's the head of the house other than Jesus Christ. Not in that sense of the word. And so, so here we are. Now we're walking together and now we're happy and there's harmony going and everything's good. Yay. Or when this weird power play, I don't want her to follow me in sin. And I think chauvinism is a sin. Not that God hasn't made us Men, the head of the house. Not in that way. Not an authoritarian, under your thumb kind of... Is that loving our brides like Christ loved his bride? Because Ephesians 5 tells us we're to love our wives like Christ loved the church. What does that look like? It looks like laying down our life for our bride, like Jesus laid down his life for his bride. And so if I come in, you know, I, I'm the king of my... When I say, you jump and you run... That's not Christ-like. That's not... I don't want her to... If I'm the head of the house that way, I hope she rebels. See, I'm setting up a place of rebellion. So I don't want to be like that. I want to be like Jesus Christ. Diotrephes, he's having once the preeminence. Is that going to go south? It can only go south. It can only break. It can only... Listen, this is all about me. I want a parking space out there. It says, you know, I, I want to drive to like hospital and, and park at the spots as clergy. Woohoo! <laughs> 
You know what the difference between you and me is nothing. All called by God, and there's various functions inside the body. There's no preeminent one except Jesus Christ. No, Diotrephes, he won't receive us. He won't, he won't listen to what we're saying. He loves to have the preeminence. Wherefore, if I come, I'll remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. And not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and he forbids them that would, and he casts them out of the church. This guy's like, Really bad. Um, look at Second uh, John, verse 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy might be filled. Look at verse 13 of Third John. I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. It sounds like almost like Jesus Christ in his heart. I'm going to come to you, and we're going to have like sweet fellowship, face to face fellowship, and your joy will be full. Uh, amen. Because... That's what's going to happen when Jesus shows up. For the righteous. But here I think it's the same spirit in verse 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds. He's not saying you're going to get a double blessing. He's saying, I'm going to straighten that character out. Jesus, we just sang, he'll come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And the living and the dead, I'm talking about physical living and physical dead. It's talking about spiritual living and spiritual dead. And who's Jesus going to judge? Both? Well, I'm, I don't believe in him, so I'm out from under his... No, it don't work that way. You can be domineering diatrophies when Jesus shows up. You can have to answer for that. But you can be that one who's expecting, anticipating his coming when he comes as a sweet face-to-face fellowship and your joy will be made full. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil have not seen God. Now this is an incredible statement. I've never seen John write anything like this. I'm ridiculous because he writes everything like this. You're doing bad because you're a bad guy. You're doing good it's because you're a good guy. Is it make us go to heaven because we're doing good things? No, but if we're going to heaven and we love Jesus and we're following hard after him, that life looks like something. It looks like doing righteousness. And he's saying... Beloved, follow that which is evil. Uh, like our old buddy Diotrephes here. He's not even, not only, I say, hey, take these guys into your house and bid them Godspeed and they're good men and they're out there preaching the gospel uh, for his name's sake. Do that. And Diotrephes says, no, you better not. I'm throwing you out of the church. Now that is, Jesus is going to show up and square that away. And, and, and that's going to be a happy day all the way around. Uh, so he gives us an example of, of follow not that which is evil, like Diotrephes, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. He that doeth evil hath not seen God. Give me an example of uh, good. Well, Demetrius. How about Demetrius? He is a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record. We know that our record is true. I wouldn't be lying here about this. John said, I'm telling you, Demetrius, he's a solid guy. He's a solid citizen in the kingdom. He loves the Lord. He's doing good. Is this the same Demetrius in Acts chapter 19, who's the head of the, like, the guild making those little idols for Diana? Don't know that. I'd love it if it was, because that would be like such a bow on this story of his life. That'd be such a good thing. He's causing a riot because this guy... Paul is messing with his bottom line by saying they aren't real gods that you can make that are worship, you know, that 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 are that you worship that are made with men's hands. That that's not a real god. And 
so Demetrius gets all the city, uh, Ephesus in this huge uproar. It's lasting for hours where they, you know, uh, you know, great is Diana, the, the goddess of the Ephesians. And they go over and over and over like that. Remember that? If it's that Demetrius, wow. But if it's any Demetrius, and it is a certain Demetrius, who, who do we know? I don't, I don't know. It's some, some Demetrius, like some guys, like some Diotrephes. I, I, I don't know, right? But still, it's a good, He's given a good, a good report. He's a good name. He's a good reputation. Uh, the truth itself bears record. And we are bear record. And you know that our record is true. I have many things to write unto you. I got a whole lot of stuff I want to write. But I will not with ink and pen write unto you, but I trust I shall shortly see thee. Is that a memo from Jesus? I think it's the heart of Jesus. He wants to see us shortly. We're going to speak face to face. I love that. Um, you're going to have opportunity to? You're going to be sitting in line like, okay, you've been talking to Jesus for like a thousand years. Now. Stop being a Jesus hog. Come on, it's my turn. You know where he is? He's got When God wipes away all tears from their eyes, they're right at arm's length. They're at they're handy to God. And you're no less important than any saint who's ever lived, including the Apostle Paul or, or, or the elder, John. You have, like, John leans on his breast in the Last Supper. Is that, like, just reserved for John alone? You have time to lean on Jesus Christ eternally. You have all the time you need. And the, the glory of heaven for me, and the, I'm so fed up with this world, like trumpet blast before the end of the sermon be fine with me. I'm not looking for anything more than I'm looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ to collect his bride. And this world, if you're not fed up with this COVID-ridden, divisive, name-calling, wretched civilization, I don't know what you're waiting for to get on board. Come on, Jesus, now would be a good time. But I think this is his heart. I, I, I don't want to write to you. I want to, I want to see you face to face. I want to speak with you. Peace be unto thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. It's rather an abrupt ending. So we'll end abruptly. Let's pray. Stand pray. And I was to say this. Peace be unto thee. Father, we thank you for this short word. We want to be on board with what the things that you're doing. We want to be against the things that you're not doing. And we want to have that good report of all men and of the truth itself. Lord, we uh, thank you for good examples. We thank you even for bad examples that we can, you know, avoid. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Lord, make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.